Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. I've been having trouble titling my sermons lately, so I have three questions I'm going to begin with that's going to be the premise for my beginning scripture. Uh, And it seems that's been our MO here. I preached, what are we building? Colby came behind me and preached, why are you building? Uh, Tonight, I want to ask you a question. What will your response be? If you're taking notes, I want you to just write these down. They're going to mean something before I get through tonight. I feel a stirring in my spirit tonight. If I get too long, Pastor Frank, just give me the timeout sign. Josh will see it, and I'll land this thing tonight. Uh, What will your response be? Number two, will you respond? Three questions. Will you respond? Question number three, how will you respond? And I, uh, I want to read the scripture out of Second. Yes, we're headed to Nehemiah, but Second Corinthians chapter number four and verse number thirteen says, "We have the same spirit of faith that is written in the scriptures when it says, first I believed, then I spoke in faith. So we also first believed, then speak in faith.'" James, powerful little book, teaches us that true living biblical faith is characterized by action. Amen. Remember that powerful chapter he gave us? Without action, James teaches us that, uh, that faith is dead and it cannot and will not produce the desired effect. And then here in the Corinthians, Paul establishes the fact that true living biblical faith is very vocal. It's very vocal. True faith cannot remain silent. <laughs> Amen. You're sitting down that recliner, you, uh, somebody in the living room with them, tell, them, tell them silent no more. True faith cannot remain silent. It will openly, true faith will always openly, publicly declare what it believes. Paul said, it's the very spirit of faith to respond to every opposing situation with thus saith the Lord. And now it makes sense when Jesus is teaching in the book of Mark chapter number 11, he said, have faith in God. And then the next scripture he says, whosoever says to this opposing obstacle. Amen. He ties faith with speaking. And he said, have faith in God. Whosoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and shout not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says. I want to ask you out there, do you really believe what you're saying? (laughs) Uh, You better be careful before you shout amen, because we're finding out in this coronavirus. Amen. Uh, Did you know the word corona uh, is the same word for crown? It's the word for crown. There's a new king that has arisen in our land. Not only in in our land, but he's worldwide. And since this new king has arisen, we're finding out if we really believe what we've been preaching all these years. So he said that the true faith will always speak to the spirit of opposition. And he said, if you do not doubt, but believe what you're saying, you shall have whatsoever you saith. 
Amen. Let me tell you something about faith. And I got to go. We got a long way to go. But let me tell you, it's time for the church to become vocal. Amen. It's time to have a response. Amen. While the world is trying to muzzle us, it's time to have a voice. Let me tell you something about faith before I move on. I think as the book of Romans teaches us, he said, let me, let me tell you what faith is really like. You don't have to ascend in the heavens to bring Jesus down. He already done that. You don't have to go into the abyss to bring him back from the dead. He's already done that. He said, no, this faith is very close to you. It's in your mouth. It's in your mouth. Is anybody listening to me that when you speak, amen, when you, we, oh, I, I hate to get hung up because this is not my topic, amen, uh, but I need you to ask your neighbor right now, how will you respond? Ask your other neighbor, what is your response? What will your response be? Amen. And it can't be just any response. Amen. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, it can transport you from one kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. And that word confess means is, is the Hebrew word homologeo. Homo meaning same and legeo meaning language. So my confession by faith is actually me saying the same thing God is saying. So you see, faith can't say anything or just anything, but it has to say the same thing God is saying. Talk to me, Ezekiel. Tell me, Ezekiel, how to operate by faith. Ezekiel, can these bones live? Lord, this seems like a very impossible situation that we have found ourselves in. Amen. And though I don't know, you know. So Ezekiel's response was, Lord, only you know if these bones can live. So God spoke to him and said, well, if you believe they can live, prophesy. If you believe it can be done, then you speak to your situation. And your Bible says that I, Ezekiel said, I prophesied as I was commanded. In other words, when I started saying what God was saying, behold, there was a shaking and bones started coming to bone. Amen. I come to ask you tonight before we dive and unroll, unfold this. Number one, you need to understand the very spirit of faith is its vocality. It just speaks. And it speaks the loudest under the greatest pressure. It speaks the loudest against the greatest of opposition. Now turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 17, verse number 1. This is going to seem strange because I'm coming from Samuel, I'm coming from Nehemiah, and I'm about to unfold to you a prophetic overview of where we are today in the American church or the worldwide church. This is Goliath is in the valley. He is defying the armies of the living God. He is challenging, he has challenged the church of the living God. And we're going to extract some few uh, scriptures out of the text. First Samuel 17 and one says, now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle and they were assembled at Shaka, which belongs to Judah. That's interesting. The Philistines had gathered their armies for battle and they were assembled at Shaka, which belongs to Judah. The enemy has now taken possession of something that belonged to the church and they are gathered in the church's back door. 
They are gathered. Did you hear? Do you hear the scripture? I'm going to take you deep into my prayer closet today. They were assembled. And, 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 and almost parenthetical, the writer wrote, which belongs to Judah. Not that did belong to Judah and they had taken it. It still belongs to Judah, but it's being occupied by enemy, the adversaries of the church. And, and, and not only were they assembled at Shaka which belongs to Judah, they were encamped between Shaka and Ezekiah in Ephes Debim. Verse number two, Saul and the men of Israel were encamped in the valley of Eli and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. I thought this was almost comical when the Bible says that the church was there, they were camped in the mountains and they drew up in battle array against the Philistines. In other words, to be in battle array means they were equipped to fight. They made it appear like they were going to fight. Amen. They were standing in file and in order. They were fully suited and fully, fully armed to the hip, but none actually had the courage to engage the conflict. They were silent for 40 days. If there ever was a picture of the American church, this is it. We've been trained for war. We've been equipped for the battle. We're standing in full gear, suited with the full armor of God, but a giant named COVID has stuck a double, has stuck his head up in the valley, and he's challenged us. And though we appear to be fighters, we will not fight. When we appear, amen, that we are equipped and have everything we need to subdue the situation, but we're hiding in the mountain and we will not respond to the current dilemma. Whoo, y'all gonna have to pray for me tonight. Amen. It reminds me of the scripture in the book of Psalms where it says the children of Ephraim were armed and carrying bows, yet they turned back in the day of battle. I want to ask the church before I get into my Nehemiah message, amen. If faith, if the spirit of faith, if faith is characterized by its vocality, then why is the church so silent right now? Amen. If the spirit of faith is identified by my bold declaration of what thus saith the Lord, Where's the preachers? Where's the pastors? Where is the men of God standing from pulpits declaring there is no COVID king bigger than the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Yes. Let's go to Nehemiah. Who help me, Holy Ghost. You know. Nehemiah, there's an anointing coming into this building and I pray that it come into yours wherever you may be tonight because we're finna unload something that is so prophetic to where we are right now. I feel, I feel an extreme anointing. In Nehemiah chapter number two, verse number nine. Then I came, and I just hate extracting from Nehemiah because it's all so good. But Nehemiah had prayed and he had got permission, Kobe, and he, now he was headed to do the mission. First you gotta pray, but if you never get off your knees and act upon what you pray, 
prayed about, you'll never see the supernatural miracle power of God. So here goes Nehemiah and he said, I came to the governors beyond the river and I gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. Amen. Verse 10. But when Sanballat and the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. I'm going to say it again. When the enemy heard, it said it grieved them exceedingly that there was somebody seeking the welfare of the current condition of the body of Christ. Chapter number four and verse number one says, but it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we built the wall, when Sanballat heard that we were doing something, when Sanballat heard that you got tired of being vulnerable <laughs> without boundaries and protection and preservation in your life, when Sanballat heard that we built the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. Verse number two is very important to remember I'm preaching on what will your response be? And he spake before his brethren, the army of Samaria, and he said five questions. What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Look at your Bible. Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? I got a word to all you builders. Only builders get attacked. You ought to stop right now and send out them hands over that internet, amen, because you thought you were being attacked because you wasn't good enough. You thought you were being attacked because you blew it. You thought you were being attacked because you just didn't get your prayer right or your fasting right. But I came to tell you, you're getting attacked because you're building. You're getting attacked because you decided to get closer to Jesus. Amen. I got a word for your builders. Amen. The enemy is grieved. It means he is sorely displeased with you. Your enemy is mad. It ain't your husband. It's the devil. It ain't your wife. It's the... Y'all ain't going to help me here. Huh? It ain't them kids, it's the devil. It ain't the boss, it's the devil. It, it, it ain't your checkbook, it's the devil. He is sorely displeased that you have come concerned about the kingdom of heaven. He is going to oppose you and push you and, and, and frustrate you. And The enemy is saying, I'm going to give you a picture of the United States of America. And I know this is worldwide, but I'm going to show you the American church. The enemy is saying, we do not want that kingdom built in our neighborhood. This kingdom was an insult to their current lifestyle. We do not want that level of truth to expose our deceitful lifestyles. We, we, we do not want that level of light exposing our darkness. The enemy was angry that someone finally got concerned about Jerusalem because Jerusalem was the only threat to their existence. 
There is an antichrist spirit, amen, that, that, that depends on you being a loser for him to be a winner. Can I say that again? There is an antichrist spirit that depends on you being a weakling so he can be strong. He can only be strong when you bow. He's dependent upon you, amen. He cannot exist under the shadow of this great kingdom called the church. I got to stop and show you. I got to stop and show you. Can I just unfold this? Can I unfold this at the risk of boring you? But it's so important. I feel like it's so important. Amen. Look at that text. 1 Samuel chapter number 7, verse number 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were assembled in Shaka, which belongs to the church. They were assembled in Shaka, which belongs to Jerusalem, and they were camped in Ephes Damon. Amen. In other words, the enemy had took control of a piece of real estate that belonged to Judah. The enemy was literally gathered together. The Bible says, faith, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Amen. And that word literally means to convene. It's the picture of a court of law who is convening to execute the justice of God. So when it says that the Philistines were convened on the real estate of the church, it was a mockery gathering and they were gathering to execute the justice of evil. They were there. Is anybody listening to me they had camped out in the back door of the church amen and, and, and catch this that piece of real estate that they had assembled in an evil gathering was shaka and it means to bind up to shut in or restrain to bind up to shut in or restrain in other words, the enemy took the real estate from the church that the church used to operate in. When Jesus said, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven of whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Uh, amen. The enemy has took the piece of real estate that we used to live on that restrained the forces of enemy. It restrained sickness and disease. It restrained sin. But the enemy has moved in and took the power away from the body of Christ. And now it's camped out in a dimension that we used to operate in. God said, wait a minute, in prayer, wait a minute, I got, you, you, you got to see what's happening in the American church right now. And he wouldn't let me come out of prayer. He kept pulling me deeper and, he, and deeper. He said, not only were they camped in the church's back door, he said, but they were, uh, not only were they gathering, not, not only was they occupying territory the church used to occupy, he said, but they're encamped in Ephes Demon. Ephes Demon together means boundary of blood drops. Oh, God, we could preach on abortion. We could just preach. But pull it in. He said, we're encamped on Ephes. They were encamped in Ephes Demon. The word Ephes means cessation to come to an end. Demon means blood. 
So not only had they taken a piece of vital real estate from the church, now they're moving in for kill saying, now we're fixing to bring this thing to an end. We're going to kill the church's influence. Oh, somebody got to catch this revelation. We're about to kill the church's influence. We're going, to, we're going to put an end to this once and for all. Can I help somebody right now? I know COVID is real. I know the coronavirus is out there. I know it's a thing, but I'm telling you it's a king who has decided I'm going to put an end to this thing called the church. I'm going to destroy their influence. I'm going to shut their mouths. I'm going to silence their churches. And I've been watching preachers who used to stand before congregations of thousands and the, congr and the churches was filled with anointed worship and praise. Amen. Fire was filling buildings and the power of the corporate church was amazing. And now they're standing there like lone rangers with empty buildings because the enemy is saying, I'm about to bring an end to that influence. And they said, let me tell you, they said, let me tell you how we're going to do it. We've taken your authority. We've taken your power. We've taken that piece of real estate, Sukkoth. Sukkoth, we've taken it. And now we're, 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 we're camped with full intentions of cessation of the gifts. Cesse, cessation of the power. Cessation of the Pentecostal platform. Amen. We're going to bring an end to it now. I come to prophesy. I'm not preaching yet. I don't even know if I'm going to get to my sermon. But I'm going to prophesy. And they said, we're going to do it. Amen. We're going to do it with our champion. We're going to send our champion to bring an end to your influence. And his name is Goliath. We're going to send Goliath. And he's going to end this once and for all. I thought it was amazing that if you dig deep enough, you'll find out that Goliath comes from a word which means exile. And exile means to lead away captive. It means to lead away captive. But what's really amazing to me, it comes from a root word, which means to denude. Never had heard this word. To denude. To denude means to strip shamefully. To denude means to strip of its covering, of its possessions, or as assets. And now the spirit of exile is standing in the valley and he's screaming, send me a champion. Send me your champion. Send me the strongest that you got. And he has come to drag the church away captive. He has come to strip us of our possessions. He has come to strip us of our covering. He has come to strip us of our assets. And he's standing in the valley and he's mocking the, the, the church of the living God. He's making insults and he's, a, and he's demanding a response. For 40 days in the morning 
And in the evening, when they get up, they hear bad news. When they go to bed, they're hearing the same bad news. And it's the same news. Send me a champion. <laughs> Send me somebody out here to fight. He said, that because if I win the battle, you will all become my servants. I can't preach it bold enough. I can't preach it straight enough. If somebody don't respond to this devil called COVID, amen, he's going to lead the church captive and it's going to be by our own permissive will. Forty days, the Bible said, he'd come out in the morning saying, send me a champion. He'd come out in the evening saying, I defy the armies of the living God. He would declare, I am greater than your God. He would declare that your God is a weakling. He, he insulted and he mocked. Amen. And the current administration was hiding in the mountain. And the only response I can find, Kobe, the only response I can find was within the ranks of the church. And one believer was saying to another believer, have you seen this guy? Have you seen this guy? He is huge. Surely he's going to defy the armies of the living God. Amen. And then I heard the leader of the church. I heard the pastor stand and say, his name was King Saul. Amen. <laughs> Can I work it? Stay with me. They were silent 40 days and 40 nights. Every time they turned the news on in the morning, he was still preaching the same message. I am COVID. I am king. I am king and I'm going to lead you away captive. Amen. Send me a champion out here to fight. In the evening, they couldn't even rest before they laid their head down at night. That same tormenting spirit would rise up and send the message out again. Amen. Until one day, there was a little young man. I don't know how old he was. I'm not going to try to act like I know how he was, old he was, but I know he, wasn't a, he was a young man. And he showed up to the battle. Amen. Thinking he was on a mission to deal, to bring ham sandwiches and cheese. And while he was delivering the cheese, he, what was that? It said he heard the spirit of exile in the valley screaming, you're a fake. You don't believe what you say. Send me a champion. I'll show you who's God. He said, oh my God. What, what is he saying? What, 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 what is this guy saying? Amen. And he's looking around. And the warriors are glorifying the enemy. Amen. And talking about how bad he is and, and how big he is. And, and he said, I'll go fight this giant. I'll go fight this giant. And then the lead man, the head of administration, began to say, you can't handle this. You, you, you can't fight this. He's been a warrior from his youth. And you are a youth. You're still a youth. Amen. All 
the response that was coming was steadily glorifying an adversary that God had given them an opportunity to destroy. He said, I'll, I'll go fight him. I'll go fight him. Matter of fact, not only was he not, not intimidated by this big guru, he was intolerant of his language. He said, who does he think he is to defy the armies of the living God? That's about the... I heard that spirit preaching this pulpit Sunday morning. I'm not going to name any names, but I heard that spirit preaching in this pulpit Sunday morning that was not only not afraid, but was intolerant and preaching. Who does this thing think it is to push us in a corner? Who does this giant think he is? So not only was they a spirit of survival, there was a spirit of succession rose up in him. Anger rose up in him. He said, who does, who does he think he is to defy the armies of the living God? He said, I'll go fight him. I'll go fight him. I come to prophesy some things tonight. Hear me real good. I'm not preaching, I'm prophesying. Amen. It was a setup. The giant in the valley was a setup. It was time for a change of administration because I'm in 1 Samuel 17. In 1 Samuel 16, a man is where uh, David was anointed to be king. In 1 Samuel 16 is where the prophet told King Saul, the kingdom is being stripped out of your hands because you are narcissistic, yourself absorbed and it's all about you. Amen. What we have here is a prophetic picture of a change of administration. God said, I'm going to use the giant to take down a weak administration and I'm about to raise up a whole new administration. The problem with this new administration is it has no clout. It has no public appearance. It's not well trained in the fleshly military tactics of a military squad. This new generation let me preach to laity. He's raising up an administration that's been in the background. Amen. That nobody's heard them preach. Nobody, they've been in a private place winning battles in private that nobody knows about. I'm telling you, pulpits that should be speaking are becoming cowards. But there's somebody in the pew. There's a David. My God, I need to help the body of Christ right now. And God said, I'm finna change the administration. And he don't know when he should say hallelujah. He don't know when to salute. But there's one thing he knows. He knows how to worship. He knows how to play a harp. He knows how to fight when nobody's looking. I'm raising up a new administration. And y'all are going to make fun of him because y'all have never seen him in action. You're going to make fun of him because he ain't dressed right. Uh, he don't have on his suit and tie. He don't have a big sword on his side. He don't have a coat of mail. Amen. But what y'all don't know, when, when he was in his private place, when he was in his private place, when you pray, go to your closet, and he who sees in private will reward you publicly. And I've seen this new administration in private. And, and, a, and a lion came to steal his sheep of devotion and he rose up without 
without anybody looking. And he slew that lion that was after his devotion. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's the same one. Nobody's seen you do it. But the lion of temptation came and tried to get you to compromise your conviction. And you grabbed that lion by the beard, ripped his mouth open and throwed him down and kept your sheep of devotion and kept your... I come to prophesy today there's a new administration rising up because the current administration is hirelings. They're hirelings, I tell you. They're just looking for a job. And God told me when COVID is over, hirelings will be no more because they're going to run because they don't love the sheep. They love the platform. He said, it's a setup. Tell your neighbors to set up. It's a setup. It's a change of administration. David didn't know it. Amen. What's awesome about David was he was being faithful over cheese and God had a crown in mind. See, you got to be faithful over your cheese. You got to be faithful. There's a new administration that's rising up. And he said, I'm just here to feed my brother. I just brought a little sack lunch. I'm just being faithful over what the father told me to do. Is anybody listening to me? I marched right out here in battle. I don't even fight, but I'm being faithful over my little job of delivering cheese. That's the new administration that's coming up who's faithful over the little things. Oh, I thought, oh, the wisdom of Jesse. The wisdom of being under a good father. The wisdom of being under a good father who remembers, I don't know how long it was, <laughs> between the anointing and the opportunity. <laughs> I don't know how long, but I know in the back of Jesse's mind was, I see you out there, David, and you're, you're tending sheep, but you're anointed to do great things. <laughs> the wisdom of Jesse said, come here, David. I'm going to send you out to the battle. <laughs> Amen. And David thought the father was wanting to be faithful over cheese, but the father was trying to position him to step into a dynasty. You never know when God's calling you to do little things that he's not positioned you to do great things. And all of a sudden it clicked in David's mind. Because the king said, are you crazy, son? You're, you're a youth. I need to help this coming administration with this prophetic word right now. When David said, I'll go, the elder brother who wouldn't go got mad. Remember that? The elder brother who was suited, who was trained, who was qualified, he would not go because he was a coward. But when this young administration who was not trained, was not qualified, stood up and said, I go, he got mad and said, you're presumptuous. <laughs> he said, you're presumptuous. Hey, Siri, what does presumptuous mean? Presumptuous means of a person or their behavior, failing to observe the limits of what is permitted or appropriate. Failure, failure to observe the limits. Failure to observe the limits of what is permissible or appropriate. 
He said, you're presumptuous. I'm calling for presumptuous people who fails to observe what is permissible or considered appropriate. There is a generation that is rising that is presumptuous because they will not be limited by rules and regulations of this world. He said, you're presumptuous. I had a pastor tell me, God help me work at the night. Give me time, Frank, give me time. I had a pastor tell me the other day, he's a denominal pastor, and he told me, he said, my apostle, whatever you want to call him, my apostle, my bishop, my presbyter has come down on me and told me to shut my church down. Amen. I'm talking, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about spirit-filled Pentecostal people. He said, hey, he is coming down on me. And that little pastor said, give me one spiritual reason, presbyter, I bow before you, big brother. Give me one spiritual reason, one biblical reason to shut down. Down my church. You hear me? Hear me, you upcoming generation, you upcoming administration, hierarchy that's been controlling the church for so long is going to call you presumptuous. They're going to call you disobedient. They're going to call you stepping outside and making waves. He ain't going to like it. But some, some, I hate the word laity, but I don't have a better one. If y'all got one, shout it loud. Remember, sheep are about to pass up shepherds because shepherds are cowards. I had another member tell me in the church, uh, in the community the other day, just talking, you know. He, he literally told me, he said, I went to church and my pastor had on a shield. A shield now, a big clear shield. <laughs> Only thing was missing was the hazmat suit. <laughs> if my pastor is that scared, this, I quote, if my pastor's that scared, I don't need to be a part of that church. Can I tell you, it's losing its, losing its uh, glamour, pastor, when we're preaching faith behind the shield. When we're preaching faith behind masks. It's hard to pray when I'm muzzled. It's hard to declare faith when I am muzzled by the king of this world called Corona. It's hard. Hey man, that young man preached here. I don't know which message he's preached to back to back. He said that the day will reveal what sort of work you've been building. The day will reveal what side of faith you have. What are we going to do when all this is said and done and we all comes crawling out of our holes and we get back into our buildings? How are you going to stand and pray God is your protector? How are we going to preach anymore if we don't stand right now and say I know its name is Corona but there is a name that is above every name and at the name of Jesus every knee's gonna bow Corona's can I go further big brothers are about to get mad and you're gonna feel like you owe them homage because they got all this wisdom and they're gonna tell you you're pushing the limits. You're naughty. I know the naughtiness of your heart. You're presumptuous. I never knew. I've never been in a place where I wanted to be called presumptuous as I am right now. That I do not exhibit behavior. I don't want to be the one. I, 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 I want to exhibit behavior that pushes the limits. 
Because what they didn't know, it was a setup. I'm not going to get to my message. Can I just prophesy? So King Saul said, well, okay, if you're going to fight, if you're going to be bold enough to go out there, here, put this mask on. I mean, put this, put this sword on. Here, put this shield on. I'm not brave enough to go out there, but if you're going to go out there, I want you to fight it like I would fight it. I want you to strap yourself down with every self-help program, self-preservation program. I want you to be strapped and covered with every fleshly thing you can do to defend yourself. And David, like some of us churches, said, okay. He started putting stuff on him. Coat of mail. And he put it all on him. And he put that big sword on David. And David stopped and said, you know what? This don't feel right. I want to talk to some people who haven't felt right wearing the world's armor. I, I just gotta I just gotta be bold tonight. I want to talk to some people that's hearing all of this false, misconstrued scripture of obeying the laws of the land, but there's something on the inside that's saying this don't feel right. And David finally stopped and said, you know what? I can't fight like this. I'm not used to fighting in fear. He said, I'm not, I'm not used to fighting with so much fear that I got all these modes of protection. He said, I'm used to fighting by faith. So I'm going to face this giant the only way I know how, and it's by faith. Thank you, Governor, for your suggestion. I meant King Saul. Thank you, Mr. President Saul, for your suggestion. I appreciate your concern, but I'm not trained to fight in fear. I'm trained to fight in faith. And he took it off. And your Bible says, somewhere along the line, he gathered up five foot smooth stones. And he put them in his little patch. <laughs> and he had a sling that, from what I can study, it's a rag with two pieces of leather tied to it. So he had a rock and a rag. And all this time, the giant standing in the valley saying, Send me your champion! Because he was the champion. Send me a champion. And all of a sudden, <laughs> out walked, I don't know what ruddy means, a ruddy little, I just seen, I seen the show, David, and he was curly-headed. Curly-headed little boy <laughs> with sackcloth over his loins 
with sandals on his feet with a rock in the rack. He was so, <laughs> he appeared to be so unlikely for the mission that Goliath was insulted. He was insulted. He said, I told you to send me a champion. I told you to send me the strongest man you got. And you sent me the weakest. But what Goliath didn't understand was that in the kingdom of heaven, the weakest is the strongest. Somebody help me right now. There's an administration coming up that has no confidence in the conventional means of religiosity. All they know is the unconventional backdrop worship and praise and adoration of a holy God. Their passion is fueled by love of their king. And they get angry when someone defies him. He said, I told you to send me your strongest and you sent me your weakest. And he didn't realize that when we were at our weakest, we are at our strongest. Because when I am weak, then God is made strong in my life. I'm calling people out of the pews because pulpits have gone silent. And some of the biggest pulpits in the land that should be having a clear voice. They're, they're, they're saying some stuff, but it's such an uncertain sound, nobody knows which battle to prepare for. The Bible says in Corinthians, if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, should I go to war or should I not go to war? Am I supposed to go to war for this cause or am I supposed to go to war for Christ? Because there's no clarity coming out of the pulpit because the preacher, the hiring is trying to stay in the middle and keep this thing balanced. So when it's all said and done, they still got a job. No, that was the setup. There is an administration that's being revealed. King Saul got revealed that he was a coward. He portrayed to be a leader until the church got in trouble and when the devil moved into the church's back door the king wilted the day is revealing the heart of current administrations and he said the, the hireling will be eliminated when this thing is over So David, God showed me, is a prophetic picture of the new administration that is arising. He's caught in between now. His brothers loved him when he was just handing them cheese. But now they hate him because he took a stand. There's about to be divisions come into homes because your family loved you while you was just feeding them what they wanted to eat. But now we're being put in a position to where we got to choose a side. Is anybody listening to me out there? And when you choose a side, it's going to cause division in your own household. It's going to cause division. So here stands this new administration that the religious world is mad at and the devil wants to kill him. Brother Benny, he took his stand. And he said, I'm finna give, I'm finna give y'all a preview of how this new administration operates. 
Because you see, the giant was saying, send me a champion. But what the giant don't know is our champion was already sent. Our champion was sent 2,000 years ago. Is anybody listening to me? Amen. Remember in the Old Testament, the Bible says there was a rock that followed the church. And when they got thirsty, water flowed out of the rock. And the Pauline epistle says that rock was Jesus. Is anybody listening to me? That rock was Jesus. Amen. And the champion is saying, send me your champion. So David said, I'll send him. Is anybody listening to me? I'm going to send him. And this is prophetic to all of you that might be a little scared. Amen. The rock has done been sent before us. David said... I can't just run out there and take on this giant. Amen. I got to let the rock go before me. (laughs) Oh my God, I've been shouting over this all day. I got to send the rock up before me because Colossians says that the rock is going to spoil principalities. It's going to break down strongholds. Amen. So David sent the rock on up ahead and it smacked the giant between the eyes and the and, 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 and that's why you got to pray before you go. That's why you got to bind the strong man in the secret place. He said in Colossians, he disarmed principalities and powers. And David said, I'm going to show you what that looks like. He throws the rock, hits the giant, and 10 foot five. <laughs> Probably weighed, I don't know, good 400. Can you imagine what that, there's an armor bearer standing in front of him with an eight foot shield. And that big giant's behind him and he's got his armor in front of him. And all of a sudden he hears something, bloom! And he looks around and that giant has folded, laying on the ground. And obviously, he dropped the shield and took off running. So the rock has disarmed the enemy. He has robbed him of his protection. Oh, I forgot an important part. Because the church has been silent for 40 days, morning and evening. But when David started running across there with that rock in his hand, he said, you come to me with a spear and a sword. But I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel, whom you have defied. And he began to prophesy. He began to say what he heard the father saying. I'm about to take your body and feed you to the fowls of the air. And oh yeah, by the way, all you other demons, I'm going to feed this whole army to buzzards. Now that's presumptuous on steroids. He began to, I believe so I speak. God, I can't get to part two of this message. It would have been so good. But here's here's the illustrated message. These are the young men and women of God that's rising up. They hadn't been poisoned with foolish doctrine. 
They hadn't been taught things by precept and not saw it lived in concept. Or they've been taught by concept and not seen it lived in reality. And now sheep are scared because the administration's scared. Now sheep is all nervous because the man who's supposed to be standing here declaring thus saith the Lord, amen, can't say what thus saith the Lord because he can't hear what God's saying because he's listening morning and even to what Sean Hannity's saying and Wolf Blitzer is saying. It's hard to hear what God is saying. And all I can hear is what the world is saying. So I'm standing before congregations and said, Governor John Bell Edwards said, what about standing before the church and said, God said, no weapon formed against you can prosper. <laughs> oh, the illustrated message wasn't over. The sermon's about over, but the illustrated message wasn't over. It's so crazy. Read your Bible. The rock took the enemy down. But he was still intact. And he still had influence. The rock took the enemy down. But he was still intact. And he still had influence. Because your Bible said David ran up. And the scripture literally said he crawled up on top of him. I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power. Up, 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 up. Did y'all hear what I just quoted? That was written in red. Jesus said that. For some of you who don't believe the word is infallible, only Jesus is infallible. Well, let me quote you what Jesus said. Jesus said, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all COVID. And... Oh, preachers, we forgot that was in there when we shut the doors and said, we'll see you virtually. He climbed up on him, drew his sword, and stripped him of his influence. He took his influence. He took his influence. And he reached down and grabbed that head. <laughs> and he raised it up. And it was from that moment on right there that there was a shift in administration. It began to shift. Church is a setup. And he said, today, let all this assembly know there is no God like our God. God has set something up. Did God send Goliath? No, Goliath was born in the evil embryo. He was an evil embryo in an evil mother. And he was given birth by an evil spirit. And he came out there with an evil intent. But God took everything that was evil and used it as a platform for everybody to know there is no God like our God. We're running from opportunity because we're silent. Take your stand. This is where I was supposed to start preaching out of Nehemiah. But I'll stop right here and ask you how you're going to respond. Let me ask you this how have you responded?
what will your response be? Are we just silent? God was saying, I brought him out there and gave him a public platform to kill him in public. But because you failed in your private devotion, there can be no public reward. David said, guys, don't worry. I've been prepped for this. I done won these battles when y'all weren't watching. The problem is we're losing too much in pub, private when nobody's watching. And the devil steals our sheep of temperance and self-control and we cave in. Therefore, we were the rest of the church. We're hid out. The devil's camped out in our back yard now, robbing us of power and influence. And God's got him standing right out there and ball open. And the whole world's looking at this king called COVID. And it's our opportunity. What's your response going to be? I'll close out with this part two of this message. Just the five questions. They got very angry because someone was taking a stand called Nehemiah and they was all huddled in their little evil huddle and they were asking the question, what are these feeble Christians doing? What's your response going to be? That's what I was going to preach. Number two, will they fortify themselves? Come on, somebody give me a response. Hell's asking questions. Will you strengthen yourselves? Will they sacrifice? Oh God, that was going to be some good preaching. Come on, I need some response before I close out. I need some response online. Devil's asking questions about you and he's wanting to know, are you going to sacrifice? Are you going to pay the price to build this kingdom? Are you going to give up what has to be given up to gain something else? What is your response? Will they do it in a day? Are you going to revive something lively out of something that I've had killed for years? Come on, somebody. Give me a response. Give me a response. It's the spirit of faith. It always responds. Yes! Yes, we will. We will. <laughs> For the fear of being long-winded, I can't preach it all. So I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. But I want to, some of my closing statements. Hell is asking these questions but it's heaven that's waiting on a response. The devil is asking these intimidated questions. Can I tell you, Sanballat knew what they were doing. It wasn't a question of, hmm, what are they doing? It was a, it was a taunting another giant saying, who do you think you are to think you can build in such adverse circumstances? But hell is asking the questions, but God is standing there saying, come on, give me a response. Give me a confession. 
the word confession actually means to covenant with or to be twisted together like a bread tie. So confession means I twist myself together with God's word. God is saying, come on, the devil's asking questions I want you to answer. I want you to covenant with me. Covenant with me. Father, let's pray. I'm struggling going on. Father, in the name of Jesus. Listen, listen, this is an important prayer time before you cut me off. It's an important prayer time. I didn't know what God was doing when I kept getting the spirit of prophecy in prayer, and I knew he wanted me to go to Nehemiah. But he's showing me now that I'm raising up another administration. COVID is delivering us of hirelings. It's going to deliver us of those who are shearing the sheep and not feeding the sheep. It's going to, it's going to be <coughs> the first of the 22,000 that left Gideon because they were afraid. COVID is going to eliminate the leadership that is afraid. They will not recover. But, but, but don't fear because leadership's coming from the backdrop. Sons are rising up that are going to surpass leadership that they've been under. Hear me, young leaders. And when I say young leaders, I, I'm not talking about age. <clears throat> You're not used to the spotlight. Don't be intimidated by your predecessor to take fleshly tactics to build a spiritual kingdom. He's going to strip you of it. And you're going to go back to what you're used to, which is intimacy with God. You're going to go back to what you're used to. <laughs> Hear me? The reason you're going to be successful, because it's not awkward. You're used to fighting like this. These leaders that like platforms are plumb awkward in prayer meetings. But you've been so deep in devotion, it's natural to you. Watch this, buddy. I can put this prayer. Whoa. It's what you're used to. And now we got a new administration trying to create a new way of fighting. And it's all in the Dubai. It's all in the flesh. And it's not fighting by the Spirit. It's not sending the rock out ahead of you and then coming up behind him and co-laboring with him. Father, I pray over this new administration that is arising. I'm going to say something very bold if there's any pastors listening to me. Pastors, you're being duped. You're being duped. Romans 13 don't mean what you think it means if you're using it to defy the, the, the word of God. I challenge you in the name of Jesus, rise up and lead your sheep without fear or favor of mankind. Rise up and lead. Rise up and be a voice. Come on, what, how are you going to respond to this? Are you going to remain silent? Amen. We're, we're, we're scratching a conviction that we're compromising with virtual messages. I'm telling you, all it's doing is scratching uh, the itch of compromise. Amen. Take your stand, man of God. Take your stand, woman of God. Take your stand, sheep. Take your stand. And let's face this giant head on and say, I come to you in the name of the Lord. 
Father, I praise you right now and I pray over the body of Christ that we learn how to navigate this crisis. Oh, my Lord, that we learn how to navigate this crisis, that we rise up in faith right now and be bold as a lion. In Jesus' name, we pray. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.